What's going on, everybody? And welcome into the 99th episode of the Crazy One Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Stephen Gates, and this is the show where we talk about creativity, leadership, design, and everything else that helps creative people. Now, as always, you can listen to all the shows, get the show notes, and a whole lot more. Just head over to thecrazyone.com. That's the crazy and the number one.com. You can always hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest episodes whenever those come out. I'm also now creating some really cool content over on the YouTube channel. It's career coaching, tutorials, masterclasses, old keynotes, and a lot of content that I'm only producing there. And so, again, just head over to thecrazyone.com slash YouTube where you can find all that content and subscribe. Now, if you have any questions whenever you're listening to any of these shows, you want to keep up with my latest adventures or things like that, you can always follow me on Twitter or Instagram, and you can follow the show on LinkedIn or Facebook. Well, it feels like it's hard not to acknowledge that this is episode 99, because as we've been getting closer to the 99th and the 100th episode, I've been doing a lot of thinking. You know, I don't know, maybe too much thinking about this whole experience and especially what these next two shows should, should really be about. Because whenever I started this sort of project, I guess I didn't think that far down the road. It was just sort of going from episode to episode, trying to make the best content I could, and then all of a sudden... I don't know what, it feels like you just sort of look up and, I don't know what, it's three and a half years later, you're at episode 99, and it's been a really interesting experience. It's had me even thinking a lot about that experience, and you know, I think that just the experience of making this show has taught me a lot, and this may be one of the weirdest analogies I've ever said on this show, but the more I thought about it, the more I sort of feel like making this podcast has been a lot like the pandemic that we're all going through. Let me explain what that means, because I know that may sound weird, but like, if, if I was doing these talks on stage, we would all have sort of a shared experience. We all would be in the same place. We'd be able to see each other in person. I could see your reactions. We could talk afterwards. There would be a lot of those sort of things. But doing these, pos- these talks as a podcast takes away that shared experience and that common place. So for me, it's it's been sort of interesting that it's great that it's had this impact. But in many cases, it does feel almost disconnected because I just sort of sit here and essentially talk to myself and send it out into the void. And and I think, you know, it's great that it helps a lot of people. But to me, it's, this has sort of been like the pandemic because I think, you know, it's sort of done the same thing to everybody else, that it took away those common experiences like going to work or being in the same building with people or doing those sort of things. It's broken everything up into everybody's having these individual experiences, which is why I think this common sense of normal is almost impossible. But that's been the same thing for me and why I started doing the conversations in the office hours and things like that was to try to make this a conversation again and be able to create more of those shared experiences. But I wanted these next episodes to be special and to try to capture the the best of this show so far. So for this episode, I spent some time just sort of thinking back on all the content that's been created over the arc of this show, all the people in the teams that I've talked with and worked alongside and be able to learn from. And I've tried to put, I think, a strong theme of self-empowerment and self-improvement really throughout this show, right? Because I think as we talk about creativity, leadership, a lot of these sort of things, it is complicated, it is evolving, and it is a personal process where there aren't any easy answers. And I think, you know, too often, those are the sort of things we, we want to get to are the easy answers. And like I said, while I think I'm very much about personal responsibility and accountability, at the same point, I think I've hopefully tried to be able to share some information to make that journey a little bit easier. 
But what I want to do in, in this episode is to sort of look back over all the shows we've done so far and look back a lot of those people and, and try to distill it down to really what are the eight things, the eight habits that I think the most successful creative people I know have. And, and I will say I do not have all of these. In many cases, I am not even close to these. I think most people aren't. And I think in, whenever you sort of do these lists, they are always aspirational. So I think this isn't one of these things where I want it to be like, hey, if you have all eight, you're great. And if you don't, too bad for you. That That's not the point of this. But what I want to be able to do is just sort of put these together because I think it's been a self-reflection for me because I feel like as I hit the hundredth episode, there is a bit more of a want and a tug for how is this show going to evolve? How am I going to keep evolving? Because I think that obviously is a big part of, of what drives the content here. But I think it's just, it is that reflection, hopefully for you as well, just because I think the one thing we aren't seeming to be short of right now is time for thought and reflection and time to be away from other people with a universal excuse to to rethink and evolve. But these eight things, I think, really are the things that I think really do set people apart. They are the things that we need to work on and strive for, because I think time and time again, these are the things that I think have really made the difference. And the first one, it just seems appropriate like to start with the first one, which is the basis of this show, because the whole reason why I started this podcast was to try to help people make peace with themselves. I think it had been a journey that I had struggled with. It is a journey I continue to struggle with, to be able to figure out how to be happy, how to feel successful, how to feel recognized, how to feel a lot of those sort of things. But I do think that a lot of the people who, whenever I think about it, who I think often are the most successful, have had... They found a way to make peace with who they are, with what makes them different, and to embrace it and see it as a strength. Because again, I think that too often for all of us, whenever you feel different, whenever you feel like you aren't everybody else, whenever something feels like it isn't like everybody else, we tend to view it as a weakness. Yet at the same point, that's always the interesting push and pull in all this, is that all the people who we probably admire, all the creatives, the musicians, the artists... They got successful by not being like everybody else and trying to embrace a, a different way. And, and I think, you know, this is not a, a simple task, as, as many of us struggle with the, these issues that have, that have been born out of our childhood, our education, our, our career, our insecurities, and so much more. Uh, you know, these are the things that drive in, imposter syndrome, which can be debilitating whenever it comes to personal and career growth. But I think it really is that effort. And I think for me, that's my, I don't know what, my biggest hope or my biggest wish or the biggest message that gets carried from this show is that realizing that what makes you different is your strength. Because not only is it liberating, but I think it usually directly correlates to becoming successful because you are living your authentic self. You aren't trying to be what everybody else wants you to be. You can focus on your talent. You can focus on your creativity and things like that. And Again, I think, I mean, there was a deeper dive that I did with this in, in episode 86. I'll put links to all these shows in the show notes. But for me, and that's why I said, it's it continues to be an ongoing struggle for me, even in this format. I think in, in many ways, even maybe because of this format and feeling a bit more exposed or a bit more pressure or a bit more of a following or things like that, to continue to find ways of making peace with sort of the new iterations of myself that I've found along the way. But I think the other part of that struggle leads us to the second thing, which is really the ability to balance humility with that need for recognition. Because I think, you know, humility is that is really that realization that no matter how much you've achieved, no matter how much you've done, no matter what position you have, 
that you can always learn more. You can always be kind. You can always be open. You can always try to evolve. That the moment whenever you feel like you know it all, the moment that whenever you feel like, again, you're better than somebody or something isn't your job, most of the time are the moments whenever I see careers start to stumble, people start to become frustrated, they start to feel alienated. Because again, that they feel a sense of entitlement. And I think that sense of entitlement never leads to good outcomes. And I think that, for me, is one of the things I I take an odd sense of pride in, that whenever people meet me, they'll always be surprised at, you know, again, the person that's on the show or the person that's on the stage is the person who I am. I never want there to be a gap between those two. And I think for a few too many people, you know, you you can be able to do that. And so I think you always want to be open. You always want to know that you can learn more. But I think at the same point, you also need to be able to make sure that you are your biggest advocate because, you know, there is that reality that if you want to get ahead, you know, you've really found that you have to find some way of promoting yourself, of making sure that your accomplishments are being recognized, to do it in an authentic way that gives credit where credit is due, but also highlights your work and your thinking because I think it's an unfortunate byproduct of this industry. And we've talked about it in past episodes about how good work should count for more, right? If you went in and you did what people ask you to, if you're the person who is selfless, you're the person who puts the team first, that should just get you further than it does. And I think that, you know, there's just an unfortunate reality there that it doesn't. In many cases, you know, frustratingly, I think, you know, in some ways you can be punished in your career because you aren't the one who is stepping in front of people. You aren't the one who is stepping on people. But I think that, you know, that ability to just simply understand that you need to stand up, right? Make peace with yourself to, whenever you do that, continue to be open, to be open to growth, but also know that there is strength in your wisdom, knowing that there is strength in your experience and in who you are, and to not let that be compromised or minimized. And it's a tough balance to be able to get that humility and recognition right. But like I said, is I think there's it is one of those really tricky things, though, to make sure that people value you to make sure that they they understand what it is you do and it's recognized because too often i think just by going along with it or sort of being the nice person or things like that unfortunately i think you can pay the price for it so striking the right balance but a big part of that also and like i said about giving credit where credit is due is with the third thing is is to really you you see people who really value the people around them and i think they they tend to do it in two very very tangible and deliberate ways in whenever you look at how do they trust people and how do they actively listen to those around them. Now, whenever I say actively listen, I think, and again, we've talked about this in the past, that I think most people just, they only, they hear people, but they don't listen. Because what it is they're doing is that when you're having a conversation, they're listening for the silence so that they can say what they think or why they disagree with them or to prove why they're smarter or to do those sort of things. And again, I think, you know, as we talk about referencing back to humility, this is where that feeds into this because, you know, again, I think the people I see that are the most successful, they understand that the goal isn't to plan what they're going to say next. It's to respond in the moment to what other people are saying. And that's only possible if you are actively listening and are tuned in to the emotions and the rhythms of other people and, and what it is they're giving you. Because that's where creativity comes from is that we all make each other better. But whenever it's this competition of ego and there's no humility and it's just all the want for recognition – that's where we start to get into trouble. And again, I, there was episode 78 went into more detail around active listening. But again, it continues to be one of those things that I think is incredibly important. Along with, for me, what is often the biggest differentiator is trust. 
And as we talked about in, in episode 88, that there is practical trust, meaning that you trust people to just simply do what they say. They show up on time. They, you know, again, they hit a deadline. And then there is emotional trust, meaning that I can actually, I can actually risk something. I can feel like other people are invested in me. You hear people use emotional qualifying words, like my boss believes in me or I believe in the team. Those sort of things are very much different. But, but I think also for trust, these are people who really sort of look at and I think concentrate on and reflect on four key things when it comes to this. They, they think really about credibility and that what they say really needs to mean something, that it is not getting wrapped up in personal agendas or politics, that they're not playing games with, with what's going on, that there's reliability to it, that, that you can actually trust what it is they say, that there's somebody who you can count on. That, you know, again, while it can be sometimes an uncomfortable word, there is a sense of intimacy that you can really trust these people with something important. And whenever somebody comes to you and they share something that could hurt them, that could be embarrassing, they value that. They recognize the moment and how important and special that is. They recognize what that level of trust is and they really value it. But a lot of that also then comes out of, again, that self-orientation, that there is a self-awareness that they are able to focus on themselves and other people equally. So again, that sort of balance of humility and recognition, I think, again, turn, turns up here in the way that they work with people and trust people. But these sort of things, in the way that they work with and invest in, genuinely invest in, because again, I see few too many people just pay it lip service. It's so easy to say the right thing. It's so easy to just show up and say the thing that makes somebody feel good in the moment or makes them smile, but long-term you let them down and the trust erodes because you don't walk your talk. But I think there's also a little bit left on that recognition side, because I think just simply saying, standing up and saying, hey, look, I want to be recognized for the work I do is great. But I think that, you know, again, there is something a bit more to that. And, and I think that there are a few things on this list that candidly I wish weren't there. I wish that these were things that we didn't have to deal with. But as we look at the realities of people and cultures and companies, it does need to be there. And, and for the fourth one to me is that these are people who know when to fight. And again, I think fighting can be constructive or destructive for you or your career in how you handle it. The reason why I think they, I bring up fighting is that these are people, they know when to stand up for their ideas. They know when to stand up for what they believe in. They know when to stand up for themselves. Again, this is these are the sort of people who they don't just simply accept what everyone gives them. They aren't sort of allowing themselves to be victimized by that situation. And, and again, they know that if they take on a fight then then that is going to be that sort of thing. Because if you ever want to create any change, if you ever want to create anything different, if you ever want to change your circumstance, you have to make some sort of change. And like I said, this isn't doing it to piss everybody off. This isn't doing something just fighting for the sake of fighting. This isn't bringing in personal emotion or politics or other things like that that muddy the issue. But they know that if they take on these battles, that it's going it, it's something they need to do. Because if they don't, then that is going to take a toll. It's going to burn them out. It's going to be able to really have an effect. And again, they also know if they do it the wrong way, it's going to piss everybody off around them. And that's the thing is that they know that they need to fight for those things. But again, I think you also see that these are people that people are drawn to actually for that reason, because they know that they will fight for them. They will walk their talk, that it isn't just simply paying lip service. And you know, for me, it's the... I don't know what it's the frustrating or disappointing part of some of the research and some of the thinking I do is just sort of the realizing how often people do have an almost infinite capacity to let you down or to disappoint you or, or to not show up in the way that you wish they would. 
But in many cases, like I said, is I think if you're not going to stand up for yourself, I don't know that anybody else is either. And, and we spent, again, if this is a subject you have interest in, episode 55 really kind of looked into how do you know when to fight? How do you do it constructively? But I do think that there is that thing of, of you know, these are people that are going to make sure that they try to get recognized and that they're going to, to fight for what matters. And again, they're going to do it in a smart way because, as I've always said, there's a huge difference between crazy and stupid. So this is not being stupid about it, and this is not alienating people. But it is saying that this is something that I believe in, and it's worth standing up for. But a lot of those sort of things that I'm talking about, right, the ability to make peace with yourself, to have humility, to, to be able to seek recognition, to value other people, to knowing when to fight— a lot of that is really based in, I think, an emotional awareness that they are able to balance IQ with EQ. So it's that intelligence, you know, sort of, I don't know what, mental intelligence with emotional intelligence. And I think, you know, they really take that time to get to know themselves. They get to get to know the people around them and they understand how does that affect them? How does it affect other people? And, you know, emotional intelligence really breaks down to you know, a few different things. I think one is self-regulation. And, and I think this is what we've talked about a few times already in the show is just that ability to throttle that emotion to keep it productive. Because if it goes to the dark side, if it goes too far, you start to break down trust and a lot of other things. I think that there is that ability to have social skills. And I think that can take a lot of different forms. It can be extroverted. It can be introverted. It can be whatever is authentic to them. But they are aware that they need to interact with other people, and they are conscious of how they do it. And a lot of that then feeds into empathy, that if all you're ever doing is thinking about yourself, not only is personal growth often not possible, but you're not going to be able to create any sort of connections or think about other people. And again, for me, that ability to have empathy, I think, is what makes you a great creative. It's what makes you a great leader. It's what makes you a great person. Because you're actually able to put the shoe on the other foot and think about other people. If I'm designing, if I'm writing, if I'm creating something, I need to think about who's going to consume this, read it, use it, do whatever it is so that I'm sure that it's going to be useful for them. If all I do is think about myself, I, again, I'm, I'm narrowing in my focus a little bit too much. I think that for them, there's also a motivation to work on these things, to be able to, to change. And I think we're going to hit on that in more you know, kind of depth here in a minute. But there is just a willingness to be open to this, to change, because so often what I see is the people who are the most offensive, the people often with the biggest personalities, the ones with, again, a lot of those sort of things. For me, I always see it as, as a defense mechanism. I think that in many cases, it's how they're working through an insecurity. It's how they're working through, you know, something that they're they're actually doing and that that big way of handling things is, is again, sort of keeping everybody at, at arm's length. But I think then, you know, it's just it really just does come down to some sort of self-awareness. And, and we're going to get into that again more in a minute. But as we talked about emotional intelligence and emotional awareness, again, if that's something you want to spend a little more time with, episode 70 went into that in a lot more depth. But I think, you know, the 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 last three for me are things that haven't been discussed on other shows. And and I think, you know, we'll we'll get into the fact of these probably will show up as shows in the future. But as, as I really tried to think about this holistically, as I really tried to look at it, there were three things that I haven't talked about on here before. The first one is work ethic. Because, you know, whenever you look at these people, and I think even what I try to aspire to, is to look at how to, in a healthy way, 
to have that almost sort of relentless self-drive in improving yourself, doing new things, of actually always working, of, of never sort of letting yourself settle, of kind of, again, that phrase that I've used throughout these episodes of like, comfort is the enemy of greatness, to really take that to heart, to really think about what does that mean? Because here again, as I sat down to think about that, as I tried to look at all the people I've talked to, all the people I've worked alongside, I've started to notice that there are really sort of four types of careers. And that what I think often goes into this is really based on sort of this interplay between talent and work ethic. Talent being just what it sounds like and what many of us understand. What are you naturally born with? What can you do without a whole lot of work? Or what are, can you, what are you naturally, I don't know what, geared towards that maybe others aren't? And then work ethic is, okay, great. What is What are you willing to do? How much work are you willing to put in? What are the things that you are willing to do to continue to grow, to make yourself better? And the, the secret, or I guess to give away the ending on this, is that my feeling is work ethic will be talent every single time that often it is whenever the two come together that whatever you find magic but that was the thing that sort of set me down this path of starting to think about different types of careers and so the the four that I've sort of come to be able to settle on are the first one is what I'll call a peaker and that these are people that are high talent but low work ethic because I think that what they do is that they often peak very early in their career and then sort of fizzle out and I think longer term don't find that success And oftentimes they're often really frustrated because all they want to do is sit on their talent alone. And and I think especially in the early parts of your career, maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you feel unsure of yourself because there are others who are able to ride their talent. And I think especially in that early chapter, those early chapters, talent does play a larger part of it. But I think as you look out through the arc of your career and over time, that talent starts to count for less and less just because – So many other things change. What you're being asked to do, the format that you're in, what that talent is, maybe is going to be able to change. But that's why I think that's why you have those peakers of this is the people who they peaked in high school or they peaked in college or they peaked earlier in their career and have just sort of lived on that success since then because they honestly don't really want to do the work to ever improve. Then I think you have the inverse of that. And these are people that I'm calling grinders. And these are people who maybe are mid to low talent but I think have an extremely high work ethic. And I think, you know, for them, they work really hard in the beginning. And maybe in the beginning, they don't feel like they're as successful. Maybe they feel like they don't have the amount of talent or they don't measure up. But they are just simply relentless and never giving up and always pushing to get better and always pushing to be able to learn new things and make themselves better. And in many cases, I think that, you know, they will have long-term success and pass those peakers somewhere around kind of the... I don't know what, the one-third to halfway part through their career, whenever just because they're continuing to work and invest in themselves and other people, they're going to have longer-term success. It's just sort of getting them, coaching them, giving them hope to get through that sort of first third. And then I think you have people that are climbers. And I think these are ones who have probably middle to high um, work ethic, or sorry, middle to high talent and high work ethic. Because again, I think these are people that what they do is that they just have this steady progress throughout their career, where somebody who's a grinder is probably going to be able to kind of go up and up for a little bit and then maybe plateau off and go up for a little bit and plateau off. They're just going to keep grinding on those things. The climber, because of the slightly higher talent and the again, the very high work ethic, are going to be able to just continue to go throughout their career. They're going to continue to be able to work up and work up and work up because they're just going to keep putting in that effort. 
And the last category, I would say, is probably not surprisingly people that I think we all classify as unicorns. These are high talent, high work ethic. And these are the people who are consistently and sustainably successful throughout their career. And I think, again, you can look at this, I would argue, in any industry. If you look at any great athlete, if you look at Shaq or Michael Jordan or Kobe or like look at any sport, these are people that had extremely high talent, but they have insane work ethics. They are going to be out there before everybody else practicing. They're going to stay long after. They're going to put in more work. They're going to shoot more jump shots, catch more footballs, do whatever that is, because they aren't just going to sit on their talent alone. And I think that's why they get to that unicorn status, because, yeah, they could sit just on that talent. And I think we see a lot of people who do that, who have great college careers, who have great things like that, and then ultimately don't pan out because they just want to be successful. They don't want to keep working. But I think for any one of these things, again, you can be able to shift where you are. Again, if you're somebody who is high talent and low work ethic, congratulations. Every single day is your opportunity to change that. Because at any given moment, we can decide who we are. Our past is only that, and we're only defined by it if we allow that to happen. And that's why, for me, I think work ethic is such a, such a marker of this real success. Because it is that sort of thing where I'm not going to be confined by my circumstance or where I live or what my age is or any of these sort of things that I'm going to do the work to rise up above that. And for me, I think that it is such a huge part of this to be able to do that, to just continue to be dedicated to your craft, to yourself, to others, to keep growing. And then I think as an extension of that gets us to the seventh thing, which is really going to be that, you know, these are people who are biased towards action. Because I think for a lot of us, maybe we know what our insecurities are. Maybe we know we should work harder or there are things that we should do. I think all the people, whenever I think about them, share this trait where where others are going to let doubt or imposter syndrome or all this list of excuses win. We've talked about in the past about they, how they always do things, how they always hold us down, how they there's always going to be a they. I think for them, they don't let they win. I think they put their ideas out there. They put them into action. They try to push themselves forward. They take that first step to try to do something, to try to be different, to, to just let it fly. And I think even for me, that simple change made such a monster change in my career of just starting to write a blog or starting a podcast or starting to stand on stage and do things or to be able to reach out to people in my organization or to try different things or to do whatever and just to let it fly. I had no idea when I look, whenever I started this, I did not think the world needed another podcast. I still don't kind of think that it does. I sort of think that what I talk about to me seems like a whole bunch of stuff that should be real obvious to people. And there's this whole other list of things of why I shouldn't have done this. There's a whole list of reasons why this show and whatever this is shouldn't exist. And yet here we are. And it does, because I think that it was just really that ability to say, I think there's something here. I think that this could be interesting. I think that this is something that I want to do. So let's go do it and let's see what happens. That that bias towards action and that ability to take the first step, I think does make such a big difference. And again, it doesn't mean that when you take that first step, you get it right. I have face planted more times than I can count. But it's the ability to say, look, we're going to start. And if it's not right, then you go back and you refine the thinking. You refine the work. You continue to get it better. I cringe whenever I go back and listen to the first shows that I did here. They, while they aren't horrible, they are not what I feel like this show is now. And I don't feel like I'm, you know, back then I'm not as good as I was now at talking and communicating and doing a lot of those sort of things. But you know what? Who cares? It is what it is. And I think, you know, you have the ability every single day to record a new show or do something different or do whatever that is. 
But it's that bias towards action, towards doing, towards starting, and not letting those imposters, not letting those sort of things win. But for me, then, this all culminates into maybe the biggest and the most important thing that I think these sort of people have, which I think they have a really great self-awareness. And we talked about that, again, sort of as we talked about emotional intelligence, that was the last one, was self-awareness. Because these are people that I think they're aware of a lot of different things. They're aware of their creative process, of how do they have ideas. They're aware of what their struggles are and what are the ways that they often will stop themselves. They're aware of who they are. They're aware of what their strengths are. And I think a lot of those things then directly come to life in that ability to make peace with yourself, to have humility, to try to recognize yourself, to be able to value people around you, not only because you are able to show up with a sense of confidence and security and self-esteem, but then you're also able to extend it to other people. That that self-awareness and sense of self is why they fight and why they have something they believe in. Because, yeah, it's just easier to do what everybody else does. I, but I think that that emotional, that emotional awareness, the work ethic, that bias towards action is all driven out of a self-awareness. Because, for me, this is the biggest thing. Because, you know, as you go through your career, and we've talked about this again many times, who you are. who you know, There's about six different variables that we're all dealing with. Who you are, you know, who you surround yourself with, the team that you're on, what is going on in society, your company, your family, your life, your mentality, all these things are going to change. So that we're constantly dealing with a six to eight part equation where every one of those variables is constantly in motion. And the only chance we have of having any sanity and any growth is to realize the one thing in all this that we can control is us. And I think that that's the thing is that being aware of all these things is really difficult because they are always changing. But this self-awareness means that you're able to balance those sort of things. You're able to concentrate on personal development with developing the impact you have on other people and even the impact you put out into the world. What are the ripples that you send out there into the world, especially in these days in the midst of a pandemic? You really see what those waves are all about. You see all those people who, you know what, whenever something is wrong, they'd rather invest in a hashtag than actually doing something. They would rather just sort of be cynical and point out what's wrong than actually stand up and help people. You you really get a sense of that. And I think that to me is why, you know, one of the biggest evaluation criteria I've always had is to look at people in bad times or whenever things are tough, because you really get a sense of who they are, because you see how self-aware are they, how self-aware are they to themselves, and they're also their impact on others. Because in those times, you see whenever people just go back to caring about themselves or others, but that awareness of being able to do that makes all the difference. And if you feel like that's something that you're maybe not doing well, the simplest thing that you can do is just start paying attention to yourself. Whenever you do something and it goes well, when you have a good idea, whenever you're happy, whenever you feel inspired, why? Write it down. What are the things that are happening? You know, again, did you get a lot of sleep? Did you get something good to eat? Were you around friends? Were you not thinking about work before that happened? Just start to keep track of it. Because the thing is, there's not going to be a right answer here. And there's not going to be an answer that looks like everybody else. This is why I think so often people try to look to other people for the for the playbook for the shortcut for what did they do how can i copy it and it just doesn't work because you're not them but that ability to say hey look i did something and went really well what i do or hey i've been struggling i haven't been feeling it i haven't been in a good headspace or things like that what i do and just start to notice it and take the things that are working and do them more and take the things that aren't working and do them less. And it's amazing as you keep working on that, the jumps and the leaps will be big to begin with, of course, because you're just starting to tune into it. 
But as you go on, you're going to see that you're going to start to be able to refine it. Some of your creativity on demand, start to be more thoughtful, insightful, human, all these sort of things, because you're starting to pay attention to other people, pay attention to yourself and do these sort of things. But I think, you know, for me, there's also an important asterisk here, because as I also think about the show, I think I need to call something out that I'm not sure I have really done a very good job with. And I feel like maybe I've let some people down the wrong path or I've, I've let them down or into the wrong way of thinking here. Because I think that over the years, it really is also, I do want to dispel this idea that what I'm saying does not mean you have to do all this on your own. Because I think too often we get caught up in this thought of the lone genius, right? Like the person who is singularly intelligent, who does a lot of this stuff on their own, because look, I think a massive part of your success is going to be up to you. The only person who knows you, the only person who is going to be able to make you work and do those things is you. But, and that is an all caps but, but that doesn't mean that you do it alone or that your best work is going to be done alone. And I think that there are so many things in our community that help to create this problem. Even as I think about somebody brought up to me this week how much they love the show Abstract on Netflix where it looks at different design leaders and different sort of in all sorts of different industries. And while that's great and it's really interesting, I do think that this sort of image of when they're because in all of the ones I've seen, they've only interviewed that person and that perception while subtle, I think is damaging because they are just highlighting a single person. And this is creating a false sense of pressure and a false sense of accomplishment. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Tinker Hatfield, again, whoever it is that you want to be able to say did not accomplish what they did alone, but often we celebrate the, the individual. We celebrate that person alone, and I find myself constantly trying to find the balance, I think, really between two forces, because in many cases, there are, I think, two things that are at play in all of us, and the one is that pull to do it yourself, to be the one who is recognized, who is, again, that sort of individual accomplishment, the, the individual leader. And for me, I always will define that as a cycle of self-importance. And this is what feeds your ego, what feeds your recognition, what makes you want to be the one who gets recognized, that your name is up in lights and all this stuff that we see in movies and all this other stuff where we want to be able to do that. And it is important, right? I think you need to feel like you are being recognized. You need to feel like you are accomplishing something because this is such a journey for you, for what you're doing. Individual accomplishment is that sort of thing. But again, if it goes too far, if your ego wins, if we give in to either the pressure that is created or this perception, then I think that cycle of self-importance stunts you, crushes you, alienates you, does a lot of bad things. But I think if we index too far the other way, and I think this is what I struggle with as well, is that there is a cycle of self-doubt. Where, again, like, you know, am I going to let my imposter syndrome, am I going to let my insecurities, am I going to let all those little things that are running around in my head win? And I find myself in this push and pull battle. And I, and I don't I don't feel like I've ever got it right. I don't feel like I can, I've ever been able to do this because it is a really hard balance to walk. I think, you know, I've always been aware of the impact that it has that whenever you're working at a job or leading a team, but then I do something like this. There's a lot of assumptions that are created. A lot of people think things about me based on assumptions. You know, they don't know me. They don't they don't take the time to know me. It's just easier to make an assumption and that creates a lot of frustration, a lot of imposter syndrome and things like that. But I think that for me, while we are talking about the individual habits of successful people, I, I can't do this episode like I said without pointing out that these these accomplishments and these people who are successful did not do it alone. 
And I think I don't want you to feel like that, again, this is only up to you and you have to bury all of this burden. But like I said, at the same point, I don't want you to outsource all this. I don't want you to feel like, oh, it's somebody else's problem or to be able to do things like that. Because for me, it's it's sort of like teetering on that edge of a hurricane. Because I don't want to go too far into my own ego and I don't want to go too far into my imposter syndrome and my doubt. I want to try to teeter on the edge of both where I know my value. I, I know what it is that I can do. I know that I have a voice and that, that again, I as an individual am strong and, and have something to be able to contribute, but not let that that agenda or that drive blind me. So that again, if I go too far and become disconnected and too alienated, and again, sometimes you don't sit right on the center. You lean too far one way or another and have to self-correct. But I also don't want to give in to the imposter syndrome and the doubt and the, those sort of voices that let you stagnate. Because I think if you're able to sort of balance on those two cycles, those two overlapping circles of self-importance and self-doubt, I think if you're able to find that spot, that ultimately is where you're going to be able to find success because you are strong. You are, as I tell a lot of people who I coach, right? Like you are a badass and you are amazing. Act accordingly. So that there is that understanding of who it is you are, but that doesn't come at the cost of or eclipse other things. Because I think, look, we are all in search of these things that already exist in us. And I think that, you know, the answers are there, but we are our own biggest blind spot. And that only through self-reflection and through work, in many cases, do the things that are already out there, these things that already exist, the things that we seem to be so good at convincing ourselves that these ageless problems are somehow new, that I think only whenever we find ways of making them relevant or meaningful to us, and we make some sort of connection or insight to them, do we then have the breakthrough? Because I think the thing that whenever I think about a lot of this, that maybe the message that I've been trying to get through these 99 shows is that there are more answers inside of you than there are going to be in any books or any podcast or any place else. Your ability to think about that self-awareness, your ability to focus on yourself, because I think whenever you think that I need to read another book or listen to another podcast or do those things, maybe they bring you insights, maybe they bring you something like that, but it's just simply confirming or highlighting something that's already been inside you. And that it only just took that to be able to try to, to be able to confirm the answer or to give you the push or to be able to do those things. That's what those things do. They, they aren't putting something new in there that wasn't already there. Maybe they're shining a light on them. Maybe they're giving you confidence. Maybe they're giving you a push to be able to do it. But there are more answers inside you than you give yourself credit for. I think that's the one thing that I've learned in talking to so many people. They have the answer. They know what it is they need to do. It's just having somebody push them, having somebody hold them accountable, having somebody validate that thing that they already knew was there. But that's that part of it, right? Because for me, that's what the crazy one definition is, is it's that ability to sit on that edge, to understand yourself and your value, to stand up, to realize your strength, to be able to push that, to exist loudly. That is such the statement that has sort of culminated that for me in the last two years. But I think it's also to accept yourself, to accept your strength, to let yourself be vulnerable and that you're going to learn and you're not going to be perfect and it's not going to be pretty because genius only exists as a concept in hindsight. Only after you're successful do people know it all along. Only after you're successful then do people really understand what it was that you were trying to do. And I think that in that journey, while it can be rewarding, there's also the recognition that it can be lonely and it can be difficult. But I think that our ability to balance that and, and to understand our place in all these things and the work that we need to do, I think that's what's going to really become successful because I don't, I think that the people who I know are successful concentrated on these things. 
And then the jobs and the money and all that other stuff followed because they didn't set out to saying, I want to be famous or I want to be rich or I want to do these sort of things. They set out to be able to invest in these things, invest in their talent, invest in their self-awareness. And wherever you are great at something, I don't know what, as Eddie Felsen said in The Color of Money, like if you're, if you're, you're really great, the rest can be arranged. I think that's the sort of thing here, right, is that if you concentrate on these, then the success will come. If all you're focused on is the title and the salary and things like that, you're facing the wrong direction and that again whatever that's the, the only goal you're looking for you're not going to be doing the investment and the work that's going to bring those things so for the 99th time i hope it helped i, I think you know again it, it's trying to distill some of these things down and like i said even i'm even i'm doing this as well trying to make sense of all these different things that i thought were relevant and, and bring them together in a way that i think hopefully makes sense to be able to tie these first hundred episodes together in some way as always as we get to the sales pitchy part of the show I, you know, look if, if you find this helpful if this was something please really do me a favor go out leave a review on your favorite podcast platform things like that it always makes a, a really huge difference um, you can subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you don't miss an episode make sure you head over to youtube because again i'm doing putting a lot of effort into content over there as well that's in a little bit of a different format again just trying to push myself and be able to work a little bit harder you can find out more about the podcast related articles i'll put links to all the episodes that i talked about just head over to the crazy one.com as always that's the crazy the number one.com follow me on social media you can get updates new content ask me questions again you can do that you can follow the show linkedin or facebook follow me on twitter or instagram as always, everybody down in legal wants me to remind you that the views here are just my own. They don't represent any of my current or former employers. These are just my own views. And finally, and sincerely, I say it every time because I mean it every time, but thank you for your time. I know especially in these days, the ability to sit down for 40 or so minutes is a rarity and it is a luxury and I, it is not one that I take the slightest bit lightly. So again, I know time is truly the only luxury that any of us have and I'm always incredibly humbled you want to spend any of it with me. So get out there and think about those eight habits. Think about, again, how can you apply this to what it is that you're doing? Stay safe, stay sane, stay connected, and as always, stay crazy.